Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs on this September 20th. Brief touches on history. Grant Delpit turning 25 today, picked off Kenny Pickett on Monday Night Football. It was the sixth of his career. He had four year ago as the Browns will seek to get to two and one next weekend amidst a lot of turmoil. They did just sign Kareem Hunt, played the last couple of years in Cleveland. Now he's back. So we'll see what happens in that backfield. And a year ago today, the Cavs make the decision to sign Sharif Cooper, spent the year with the G League team, hoping some Cavs fans hoping perhaps he will still get an opportunity to make the roster. He was signed recently again to an Exhibit 10. So he is, in fact, in the running. So we do have plenty more to come. We got Doug Maurice. We're talking Cavs. We're talking Buckeyes. We're talking Della Vadova Burrow. We're talking everything. Coming up after this on Network 216. Welcome back, folks. Zach Weiss, Doug Maurice been covering Cleveland sports for a long time. He's now with the podcast OSU. What sparks the interest here, everyone knows my love of Della Vadova, found Doug's article talking about his love for Joe Burrow and how they kind of pushed each other. I already knew that Delhi was Burrow's favorite player, so did a little digging, found Doug, read the article. He's been covering Cleveland sports for a long time. He's been around professional sports for almost 30 years, and Doug, a pleasure to have you on so we can Talk some Cleveland sports, talk some Buckeyes, and I look back at your article, which I found to be an, an astounding read. Yeah, no, thanks. That was that was a fun one. I I love crossover. I like talking to guys in different sports about each other. So it's been a while now. I, I went up and talked to Delhi about this um, in December 2019 before Joe Burrow won the Heisman at LSU. But I love when major athletes are just like fans i think it's so interesting one of the, one of the things i've always wanted to do and i've never done is interview lebron james about ohio state sports and just talk to him like he's just a fan of ohio state just like so many people are i think it's very relatable and so it's just it was always interesting to me when it's like hey you play at the highest level but also by the way you're a fan of, of something in this other sport just like we are so yeah the delhi burrow story is a holds a special place in my heart and what would you say, Doug, are some of your favorite nuggets that you got? Maybe some that are included in the article and some that you decided to kind of keep for yourself. Oh, I, I never keep anything for myself, man. I'm, I'm paid by the people. I, I'm not there for me. So if I got it, I, I shared it. But the, the thing that I like about – it's a responsibility when you're a, in this business, right, is that everybody wishes they could go do this stuff. So when you just hear – like things that are out there, you've then got to take it to the people. So the idea was Joe Burrow, when he was at Ohio State, one time was wearing like a, a Della Vadova, like big head T-shirt, right? The caricature kind of T-shirt. He wore deli stuff. I feel like a, an idiot now, considering what Joe Burrow has become. But whenever we talked to Joe Burrow at Ohio State and had interview sessions, you know, I was the Cleveland guy. And he's the backup quarterback. And like the football matters, but I actually was more interested in asking him about the Cavs and Matthew Della Vadova because he was super into both those things. So I asked him about Delhi like constantly. It was like, yeah, whatever. You're the backup quarterback. Who cares? You're 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 just Joe Burrow. But let's talk about the Cavs. And so I had multiple conversations 
with Joe Burrow and his love of Delhi. And then when he became Joe Burrow, I was like, I have to go talk to Delhi about this. So it's like I, I called the Cavs and said, like, can I come to practice and talk to Delhi about this? And like, no surprise, he was totally into it and like the coolest dude around. And and I don't know how to make like a meme. How do you make something into a meme, Zach? Do you know? You, you take a picture of something and you, you get a reaction that people are just shocked to see. And it can be used and recycled in so many different ways. Because I had Delhi like send a message to Burrow because LSU was getting to play in the getting ready to play in the college football playoff. And he said, like, hey, Joe, uh, best of luck to you. And he gave like a thumbs up. Where's my thumb on the screen? And and it's like a deli smile with the thumbs up is to me should be like the meme for good job, good luck, because it was so nice and genuine. And uh, I would I don't, it hasn't happened. I feel like that deli meme with the thumbs up should be everywhere. So you're younger than me. Maybe you can figure out a way to make that happen. Uh, I will do it. I'll tag you. I'll tag Delhi. I'll tag Joe. And hey, maybe maybe a rep of a rep of a rep knows somebody who knows somebody obviously we got the deli like hey hey matthew can you can you drop a retweet we want you to yeah. become a meme and then if he does it uh, and then you get some of his boomer teammates now there are some very popular social media people on uh, the australian national team i've always followed a couple they've always been my favorite team guess I, I i shouldn't say openly that i root for australia over usa because of how much i like delvadova and how much i've loved his career like in 2016 when NBA 2K came out, that was the first time we got national team rosters. And they only went with two, USA and Australia. So for the first month, I had the game. All I would do, I'd play on Hall of Fame. I'm Australia. I just want to destroy Team USA. It took me 20 tries. And when I did, it was an incredible experience. Delhi obviously starts every game. He's always started for me in 2K, whether he was a 65 or a 75 or the generous rating to give him on the 15 team. So that, that's... I love that guy, and I'd be happy to try and make him a meme. Because I tweet about Delavadova constantly. I don't care where he's playing, what he's doing. Someone posts a picture. Someone does an interview. You'll see it on my feed. You'll see it everywhere. I got four jerseys. Almost had a fifth. NBL sold out. Had the sneakers, a couple T-shirts. I got a signed poster on my wall to my left of him guarding Prigioni. We got everything here. I don't think I knew what I was getting myself into here. <laughs> I was like, oh, this guy wants to talk about Delhi. That's cool. Uh, you've thrown over your home nation for Australia because of your love. Of Just for basketball. I, I'm not anti-Team USA, but the grit that he brings, and there's so many fellow Australian players I've loved getting to watch, some that have made the NBA. You know, we've seen Jock Landale. We had a very brief glimpse of Ryan Brokoff. We had Patty Mills. Thon Maker was in Cleveland for a minute. So was Dante Exum. You know, we're going to get uh, Duop Reese playing for Portland next year. David Anderson, who I actually didn't know was Australian when he was in the NBA. When did... you list Australian basketball players on your show, do people know who you're talking about? It, this is the first time I've really gone in depth. The last the last thing like this, Doug had me uh, talking Tony Batiste stats, talking his career and everywhere he's been besides Cleveland. So I hope, you know, I, I, I think I have like a – maybe a quarter to a half a percent of listeners are from Australia, maybe. What? Maybe. Oh, 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 not a quarter of your listeners. No, no. Whatever percent. Like that, man, I'd have to start wearing uh, all Australian colors. I'd have to bring out the flag. Oh, I'd have to yeah, yeah, yeah. An accent because my accents are very run of the mill, 
you got to, I say a few words in it and I drop it. Because if I keep going, it either becomes offensive, really bad, and not only does it embarrass them, but for me, it's like, eh, I should probably lean back and stick to the voice that I've come to use and grown up with. If, if the U.S. and Australia had a war, whose side would you be on? I mean, Delhi's not in it, right? No, Delhi's like the general. <laughs> He's Delhi's the, the general? Well, I guess it's going to be uh, Delhi versus Jarrett Jack, who is his first ever – Kyrie, his first ever point guard competition that he ever had in the NBA, right? So – You'd be in his uh, battalion. You'd be falling in behind General I, Delhi. <laughs> I'd probably abstain from this one and just hope he makes it back in time for the game that night. <laughs> you would abstain from the one-day U.S.-Australia war and just hope that Delhi doesn't do anything to hurt his basketball career. How sure. old is he? Does he still play basketball? Yeah, so he was on the Kings last year, so I did oh. get the jersey. He was the third-string point guard, and I, I personally thought that he could have been a really good emergency option against the Kings. Davion Mitchell had his hands full, beyond full, Nickname is off night. You know that. He's so good defensively. I figured Delhi has history with the Warriors. He'd be a perfect guy to play in the series. But he messed up his thumb with a month left in the regular season. He'd been the third-string point guard. He only played when De'Aaron or Davion sat. So I thought it was actually a huge loss uh, when he went down. Because I personally thought, even if it's for five or six minutes, it's that impact. But he's in the NBL again. He uh, re-signed to the NBL shortly after the King got knocked out in the first round. You know what's funny is my daughter is a, a big NBA fan, and she roots for the Cavs. She dislikes Delhi, like she does not. She does not dance on the Delhi dance floor. So I'll have to uh, tell her that I was on a podcast with a guy who has five Delhi jerseys. Four, I wish NBL. They had a really good deal. They were selling jerseys for twenty dollars of a bunch of players. Uh, obviously, shipping so it comes out to about thirty-five, and I placed the order. And unfortunately, three days later, I got the email that said they were out of stock. I haven't seen any new ones yet. And I never thought to buy an NBL jersey. My friend somewhere, I have a buddy who's covered the G League for a couple of years, and he knows about my Delavadova fandom. So he will send me everything NBL. He watches the games. I don't know when he sleeps. He watches games at 3, 4, 5, did it, the, the whole FIBA tournament too. Got a link about this NBL jersey sale. And for a minute, I was so excited. Obviously, it didn't pan out, but I'll, I'll stick. I don't know anyone else that has the Kings jersey. I've never seen another Bucks jersey. Uh, I never met anyone else that had the Delhi One sneaker. Unfortunately, I did wear through them. They were very good for basketball. I failed my first driving test wearing them uh, because I thought if I skip practice and just wear my lucky shoes, that uh, things would go well. You, you can't. You still. You still have to be ready for things. You can't rely on the, the Delhi Ones. Your favorite. Lucky charm. You still have to be ready for things as we uh, we learn to come in life. But uh, I feel like I'm on one of those hoarding shows, and I'm on with the guy who hoards deli stuff. Do you have you don't have like deli magazines stacked? No, no, no. So I mean, I've only ever so I have four. Let's see, we have I have four jerseys, and three of them were gifts. Uh, the two T-shirts were both gifts. The shoes were a graduation present. The signed poster was a birthday gift. The only thing I've ever bought. I'm very lucky to have people that understand and don't think it's crazy uh, with, with this. And funnily enough, my first deli jersey. I'm not jersey, sure there's anybody left who doesn't think it's crazy if they're well, listening that's fair. to this and we will, podcast. We will shift on from this in a moment. But the funny thing is, the first deli jersey came before the trade deadline uh, during his rookie season. And he was wearing number nine when the year began. But uh, the Cavs would come to trade for Luol Deng. 
And when they did that, he had to change his number. So the jersey came after the trade had happened. So we had to do an exchange, which was successful. So I had a number nine, then a number eight. And then it, it did slow down. I didn't get my another shirt for about two years. One says it ain't over till it's Delva Dova. Shout out Red Bubble. The other just has Delhi with the Cavs logo through it. I think that's Red Bubble or uh, Plain Tees. There's a couple of a good t shirts. There's, there's, there's those shirts. You got every player with a goat behind them. But then it, it piled up. You know, I just, I, I've been a Cavs fan for so long, and I feel like I'm not the only one that when LeBron left the first time, you felt like you probably only had LeBron merch unless you were super fans or loved these other players. So it started out with the Daniel Gibson, then we got Tristan Thompson, Darius Garland, a couple of, uh, there's a Jay Crowder shirt, but uh, that one, that usually used to, as an undershirt because no one wants to see Crowder on the back. Although he did, he was dealing with the death of his mom. During his Cavs tenure, so under, understandably, he didn't perform up to par. He had a lot, a lot of things on his mind, but you know, I love this team. It's my fifth year doing this pod, Doug. The anniversary is gonna is coming up in about a month uh, uh, since the first episode a few years back. This is gonna be episode like one sixty nine that we're doing here today, nice. and uh, the conversations we can have starting thirteen minutes on Delhi. Not something I pegged, but I, I've loved how we've. No, started. you've been waiting. You were waiting for the day when you could do thirteen minutes on Delhi. Well, Off the I top. would say there was a whole episode. Uh, this was, I think it was two years ago, his final season back with the Cavs. Maybe it was three before he went to the NBL. It was actually called Only Two Players Have Gotten Their Own Episode. There was a Lamar Stevens episode because of his, his break onto the scene, his Penn State career. I had a buddy that went to Penn State. He's a huge basketball fan. We went really in-depth on Lamar. We talked about it. We went to three high schools. Ended up back in Philly, got to the NBA, would have broken the scoring record of Penn State. He needed 10 points, never got to play March Madness senior year because COVID stopped ball. Then here's Lamar Stevens, game-winning dunk three months into his career against the Hawks team that ended up getting on an insane run and making the conference finals uh, when all was said and done that season. I uh, had some really impressive performances, and obviously Delhi was a long time coming. This feels like more of a... I guess, natural conversation. The last one, you, you want to throw things in, right? Everyone has a favorite player in some sport or a favorite actor that no one's heard of or maybe doesn't know because they do B or C list movies, but they just love them. And it's something that attracts you to what they do that makes you want to follow them. So I think being able to have this discussion with you who cover this professionally and given how big Joe Burrow's star has gotten, I've just loved looking back. I remember seeing the shirts, his old tweets about Delhi. When he was in high school, the Delhi mentality yeah. we used to tweet about, and it's there's just so much there. Yeah, you you are now Joe Burrow is no longer the biggest Delhi fan that I've ever spoken to. He <laughs> held that spot until right now. You are now number one, but that's the thing that I find intriguing about the whole thing is that because Joe Burrow was so upfront with his love of Delhi. I sort of thought as Joe Burrow as a football deli when he was at Ohio State. It, it's, you know, he was a, he was a pretty good ranked recruit, but he was a little bit lower. He was, you know, Ohio State um, recruited other quarterbacks in his class. It kind of took him late. I put up when he when Burrow signed his huge contract with the Bengals. I, I have this photo in my phone still of when I covered him at a recruiting camp outside Ohio Stadium in 2016, and he was. I think 17 years old. Then he looks like he's 11. He's just this kid. And it's like, you know, there are all these quarterbacks at this camp and he wasn't, wasn't one of the top ones there. So I just had, I always thought of him. Like I, I just underestimated him. 
And it's just in my head. To me, it's what happened is like, what if Delhi became LeBron? And that's what happened with Joe Burrow. It's like, you think a guy is this, and then it's like, or it became Donovan Mitchell. It's like, oh, the Cavs didn't have to trade for Donovan Mitchell because they just had Matthew Dellavedova, and then he just turned into one of the best players in the league, and you never saw it coming. So the the Delhi part of it is is very important to sort of my evolution of trying to understand Joe Burrow, and it's of everything I've covered uh, in sports that that the Joe Burrow that I was asking about Delhi in 2016 became the Joe Burrow who won the Heisman, won the national title, became the number one pick, and now is the highest paid player in the history of the NFL, like blows my mind. And it's because in part, I still think of him as kind of a Delhi. Yeah. Cause he had to get out from under a situation that wouldn't have given him an opportunity. And he only really had what he had one year at LSU, right? That's how, that's how two, much time he had two. left. Oh, two years. And in that second year, went all the way, perfect season. You know, smoking that Joe Burrow, you know, that's a yeah. he, he got his mean. You got to get Delhi up. He there. did. But it's just so impressive, too, you know, the way. And funnily enough, he ended up in Ohio. Again, yeah. Uh, some would joke if they're not Browns that Cincinnati's in Kentucky. I'm not one of those people. Um, I don't know that. I don't, I've never been to Cincinnati. I don't, I don't know that too well. But, it's, it's been really fun to watch him, you know, just continue to develop. Obviously, a tough start to the season. He overcame a serious first-season injury to then come back and get all the way to the Super Bowl. They got plenty of opportunities. I do think he'll win one at some point. And I just think his toughness, his stick and his willingness to put himself on the line is very reminiscent of, of a certain guy who worth that number eight, number nine, number 18 in his uh NBA career named Matthew Delvadova, of course, who diving on loose balls, obviously rubbed some people the wrong way. There were some injuries, unfortunately, Kyle Korver in 2015, he was just going for a loose ball. He got Taj Gibson ejected from a game, got into it without Horford called Bradley Beal a flopper when they were uh, going for a loose ball. But it's that same ethic that I think still ties. Obviously we're not always going to tie these two together in that way, because of course, Delhi undrafted. He won a ring. He clamped the best scorer of all, uh, best shooter of all time, and on the biggest stage, Joe Burrow took. Wait, his- you just you're just making the point. We're not always going to compare Burrow and Delhi, and then you launched into a thing oh. that kind of makes it sound like you're going to okay. say because Joe Burrow's no Delhi. Could Joe Burrow guard Steph Curry? <laughs> no, he can. Joe Burrow can guard the Steph. Well, he can throw. Uh, here, here's the short version of that. We're just highlighting his highs. That was Delvadova's high as an undrafted player. Burrow's high as a number one pick is likely going to be Super Bowl MVP, uh, potentially a candidate if he gets his, his mojo back and they keep Chase Higgins Boyd. They fix a little bit up front, ends up breaking the passing yards record for a single season, could end up leading the Bengals to their best season. He has already helped them end their long playoff curse that, that Dalton constantly struggled with. You know, uh, Carson Palmer could never win in the playoffs. It took a long time with Marvin Lewis there, and same owner wouldn't do it, made a switch. And it's a team that is certainly going places. They're, they will be tied, but at the same time, we can't compare Delhi's highs to Burroughs realistically. But it's still, I think it's really cool that they do have that connection, that he rocks the Delhi shirt, that, that they have these lines, that they have this connection 
and would love to see at some point Burrow's tweets certainly get a lot more attention now than they used to based on his following and his growth, but would love to see some kind of public interaction between them. I don't know what, maybe it'll be when Delhi announces retirement, which will probably be in a couple of years now being a father of a few going back to Australia, maybe not, not making the national team this past summer either. But, you know, I guess he has kids. Delhi has kids. He does. He's got yeah. two, I believe. Maybe they need like a nanny or something. You could you could throw your name in the in the in the ring for that. No, that that's getting too close. That's getting. I'd lo- love okay. to love to chat with him. Just talk about his career, his basketball life. But to an extent, you know, I, I've tried through other outlets, through former Australian writers. I was in the same hotel as him once, actually, uh, in 2017. Uh, and was, you didn't break into his room? What are you doing? No. So it, it was actually, it was really cool. So I was actually there to talk to Jim Paschke, who was uh, the longtime announcer for the Milwaukee Bucks uh, that morning in the hotel. Uh, we were having coffee. And as we were finishing up, the players started coming down because the, they had uh, opening night in Boston. Saw Greg Monroe. I saw Giannis. These guys are massive. Greg Monroe, 6'11 in a hoodie, just hanging out you know, eating his bagel as he walks to the team bus to, uh, to go for a shoot around at TD Garden. Jim's got his nicknames, calling Giannis Yanni. Hadn't heard that before uh, anywhere else. And I, I came in with the mindset of asking, but, you know, you think at a certain point you want to maintain a, maintain a level of professionalism that should you ever get that chance, you get it, you take it. But don't go out of your way. Don't burn any bridges. Don't ask for what? Did you want to hug him? What did you want to do? I just wanted to, to say hello and get a picture. That's oh, it. That's that that's it. Oh, with, with Delhi? Yeah, that would be it. Yeah. yeah. No, Jim Jim Paschke, though, great. Yeah. Long time, one of the best announcers in the league. That they've done a great job finding his replacement. You know, the other broadcast, Lisa Byington's been great, but Jim Paschke, great, great person. A lot of great individuals in the NBA. Obviously, shout out. To Rafa, shout out uh, Tim Alcorn, John Michael, Sean Pebbles have all been on before. But anyway, as we will go, let's see how do we how do we transition from Delhi? No idea. I think we just have to end it. <laughs> Is there a transition out of this? Um, well, honestly, all right. So I guess we'll, we'll talk. All right, Doug. So you, you I mentioned in the beginnings so you went to Northwestern, correct? So you graduated yeah. in the mid nineties. I started out. Now I'm worried. You seem to know a lot about people that you investigate. How do you know where uh, I went to college and when I graduated? LinkedIn's a great tool. I, I use LinkedIn a lot. I, I do a lot of play-by-play. So in some cases, down. when teams don't list information, I've actually gotten some really good play-by-play nuggets from LinkedIn and high school newspapers. Just Google searching nice. the name. And- oh, look at that. The little internet research. That's a good job by you. Anyway, so Northwestern, you covered the Bulls at the end of Jordan's career. You covered the Phillies. You covered the Bulls, 96 to 98. You know so much about me. I don't think my kids know this much. I did cover the Bulls. I was at the flu game. So with that said, you covered the Bulls. You covered the Phillies. You spent since have spent a long time in Ohio. What are kind of some of your favorite memories? And maybe even once you've talked about that, what what gave you your first passion uh, to do journalism? Uh, Okay, so like favorite memories. So I was. um, I covered the Bulls for like a year and a half. I was at the flu game in. 98 and I was in Utah and uh but I didn't have a, like a courtside seat I was in the auxiliary press box which was like in a janitor's closet I it wasn't you couldn't see the court I was like I flew to Utah to cover this for my little suburban newspaper and then sat in a janitor's closet and watched it on TV it's like I could have watched it on TV for my house but um but I can remember like I ran down at halftime and like in the tunnel 
to where they were going in the locker room and like Michael Jordan was just like being dragged like into the locker room, you know, and I was like, oh, I got, like, I, I got my eyeballs on that. So um, so covering the Bulls was really cool. Uh, that was a great opportunity. I, I was a beat writer for the Philadelphia Phillies for about four years and then covered other stuff in Philadelphia sports. Um, got to cover the Super Bowl and the Eagles played the Patriots in Jacksonville. I could, I was like, I got to go to a Super Bowl. It was like a Jacksonville. And I was like, no offense to Jacksonville, but it's like, come on. I get the Jacksonville. So anyway, it's been a great, very, very um, lucky career. The best thing I ever covered was I got to cover the Summer Olympics in 2012 in London for the Cleveland Plain Dealer, and that was the greatest professional experience of my life. I was like 10 feet away from Vladimir Putin, which is like, I don't know if that's, it's not very cool, but it's kind of weird because yeah. I was covering judo because there was an Ohio athlete, uh, Kayla Harrison, who actually was winning a gold medal in judo. And uh, Putin likes judo. Who knew? So he was there that day and walked right past me. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I've just been very fortunate, you know, covered a bunch of Final Fours, covered, you know, national championship games and bowl games, doing Ohio State stuff, um, you know, was on the field after the Cubs won game seven in Cleveland in the World Series, you know, it was just kind of very, very fortunate to, to be around a lot of great stuff. Um, and I just became a sports writer because I wasn't good enough to play sports. Isn't that the answer for all of us? <laughs> Amen. Yeah. And so obviously, you know, uh, a lot of really cool opportunities for you. And we look now how we're here today. The podcast medium has certainly mm. grown where you got a lot of people with mics opinions and beliefs uh, they hop on they talk so now uh, your primary gig you know it is uh, you're with the podcast uh, osu so how have you kind of enjoyed you know getting into this space obviously it's not new uh, recording radio and speaking and doing it's not it's nothing brand new but the podcast space itself you know how would you kind of liked about it and what are your thoughts on, on its possible growth now that you know you're you're really you're on the air consistently and we're hearing your voice a lot, which is fantastic based on how our interaction has gone here today and whatnot. Yeah, I always say talking is easy and writing is hard. So I don't write at the moment, and I, I got into this business as a writer, obviously, and, and wrote a lot and enjoyed writing. Like, really, as much as I say oh, I got into it because I, you know, I wasn't good enough to play sports, um, I actually got into it because I love writing. And then I love sports, and those two things combined. So that is a little odd, but... I found I can remember, you know, Zach being a, a sports writer back in the day when, you know, sports writers were always going on radio shows and that kind of thing. And I just felt like we wound up giving a lot of our best content away to other outlets. Like you'd be on a radio show and all of a sudden it's like when you're writing, you're this stiff beat writer who's like, here's what happened, but I'm going to be unbiased and not give you my opinion. And then you'd go on a radio show and be like super interesting and show your expertise and share your opinions. And I was always like, why aren't we doing that in the paper? Why aren't we doing that to the audience that pays our salary? And so now that, I mean, and that was a long time ago, but now that, you know, I can remember when it was like, oh, you're going to have a blog. And I was like, what? I have a blog. And so just like the world where I think we do a better job of relating to fans, of not being in an ivory tower above fans, I don't think that means that we should act like fans, but I think we can relate to fans and understand like that's what this is about. It's not about the players. It's not about the teams. It's about that we are the conduit to all of that for the people who wish they could be there, but they're not. So that's who our responsibility is to. And so I do think shows like this, doing a podcast, doing a YouTube show, it's just much more relatable. 
and I the the connection that I feel with the people who pay my salary, the people who care about a sports team and therefore create a way for me to be employed, I feel it much more strongly through this medium, through talking, through their response to that. And I love that part of it. And so it doesn't mean that I, I don't like writing, but writing is more of a solitary thing. And this can't be solitary. And I've done podcasts by myself, but even when you do that, I can feel the audience in a way that I don't think I can feel it when I'm writing. And so um, that's why I've leaned into this. I think it's where the business is. I think it's where fans are. And I think it is the best way for any of us and that we're, what we're doing, Zach, for us to really connect to the people who care most about these teams. Yeah, uh, no doubt about that. And it's been it's been incredible to see the growth of podcast, obviously 2020 through a lot of people that may never have expected uh, to get on a mic on a mic and there's no going out anymore. You know, uh, new shows really weren't coming out outside of the last dance, which provided uh, an incredible series of Sunday nights, five Sundays in a row, starting. With I, that's Brady. like, I was covering Jordan in that era. And I was like, can I, can I get my shoulder? Can my elbow be in the last dance? <laughs> so I was like, we were watching the last dance to be entertained, but I was like, can my elbow be in it? No. Did they, no elbow, no pinky no. finger, no thumb up, no, no like side view of your hair. no, I was Not there. Your best, your, best game, two, your favorite tie? Nothing. Nothing. I'm just no. entirely forgettable. They cut me right out. I mean nothing to Michael Jordan. Shocking. <laughs> well, maybe not that Michael Jordan, but as the commercial went on to state, I, it, it's been a little while since I've seen it on the air, but it's a guy named Michael Jordan going through the motions. He has a reservation. He has a flight. Uh, priority for two, Michael Jordan. Everyone's like, because oh, it wasn't that Michael Jordan. So, I did then cover an offensive lineman at Ohio State named Michael Jordan, so it did come full circle. And you've probably seen uh, the Creed movies, or at least know enough about the history to know that the actor playing Apollo's son is none other than Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Michael Boxing Jordan. Obviously, that's what the Beast is. He's so good, Black Panther. Mind. Yeah. Yeah, great actor. Um, okay, so I guess the only way to transition, I guess, so we're, we're, I think we're going to scrap the Cavs today. I think we got our perfect Cavs fix on Delhi. What, yes. I'd love, what I'd love to hear about, Doug, uh, two questions, and then we'll wrap up. The first, kind of keeping it you know, on your background and your upbringing. So starting out in Chicago, you're covering the best team in the world. They're going to the finals every year. You know, Now here you are with Ohio State, number one right now. They've constantly been near the top for a long time. So how do you think it's either helped or hurt your ability to cover teams and to do this kind of getting to see so many great teams right away rather than getting your start with a team that might be at the bottom of the standings, might be going 15 and 67 in basketball or 4 and 12 in football or losing 100 games in baseball, uh, et cetera. Yeah, I thought you were going to say, like, it. I get the credit because Ohio State and the Bulls were good. I did cover <laughs> – uh, the Philadelphia Phillies for four years as a traveling beat writer when they were awful. Uh, three of the four years I was there, Terry Francona was the manager of the Phillies, and they were terrible every year. And it's 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 very difficult to cover September baseball for a losing team, as Guardians reporters are finding out right now. It's like to keep people invested uh, is very difficult. So I mean, it's it's super fortunate because you can't define yourself by the teams that you cover because you have no control over it. And you do the job regardless of whether the team wins or loses. But the audience is bigger and people care more if the team's good. Like that's there's no doubt about that. So to be able to take part in that um, is really good. I do like ripping people, 
so I sometimes it's fun. It, you know, I don't rip college athletes because yeah, there's NIL, but they're not paid. They're young people. But I'll rip a millionaire. So sometimes ripping a millionaire, like when I was covering, like I actually I did like covering the Phillies, and it's like it's like man, that millionaire stunk today. Let's go rip a millionaire. So, um, you know, it's just sports ripping. It doesn't mean they're terrible people, but I feel like it's kind of part of the job. It's part of my job, serving the fans. Sometimes they want to hear someone rip a millionaire if it's justified. And uh, they're getting paid a lot of money, so they'll be okay. Like, it's fine. But, you know, this Ohio State audience, I had no connection to Ohio State when I moved here in 2005 and started covering Ohio State. I did not grow up in Ohio. I did not have family in Ohio. I did not have you know, friends or family who were Ohio State fans. So I knew nothing when I got here, and I just came because it was a good job and because uh, the, the guy doing the hiring was someone who I had worked for before and was very fortunate in that regard. But it, uh, to, to have landed here, this is my 19th season being around Ohio State football and that they've always been good. They've always been interesting. They've always been a team in which you can view college football through the lens of Ohio State, which I talk about a lot. Their context always matters. You know, if you cover Purdue, sometimes like, well, Purdue's doing this. It's like, well, I don't know. Does that matter to anybody else? What Ohio State does always matters, both in the Big Ten and then nationally. So it is super lucky to be able to be around a team like that. And I think about that all the time. I would do the same job. I would work just as hard. I would try to be creative and interesting and serve my audience just the way I do now. But you know, the audience is bigger and it's more interesting when they're trying to win the national championship as opposed to can they go four and eight this year instead of two and 10. And then my final question, and then we will wrap this up. Well, at least we'll, we'll get it again. We'll do some. Is what now. is Matthew Delavadova's address? I don't Ooh, know. No, if you say that on the air, I, I don't know. They might, might have to, might get, might get some FCC. I don't, I don't know have if you call cell over phone there. number. I don't. I no, don't know that's okay. Security number. Well, Sorry. good. I, I hope you don't know that one. Yeah. I mean, no, you should really, in essence, as an individual, you should only know one of those numbers by heart. And then obviously you have kids, that number will go up, but you should really only know one, one of those. But we're not here to talk about social security numbers either. Know your number. Don't let anyone else know your number. And that's that. Good but advice. anyway, here's, here's the final topic. Yeah, originally came on to do some Ohio sports analysis. So we will wrap up with that three and zero star for the Buckeyes number one in the country Kyle McCord uh, named the starting quarterback going forward so thoughts on the start for the team and if you believe this group can win a national title so before the season I picked them to make the national title game I think the Big Ten's really good I think that's proven out so far I I, I said I thought Ohio State Michigan and Penn State were three of the five or six best teams in the country and I thought the Big Ten would get two teams in the college football playoff. Does that mean I'm sure that Ohio State will beat Michigan? No. Am I sure Ohio State will beat Penn State? No. Am I sure Ohio State will beat Notre Dame on Saturday? No. They have a tough schedule. I thought the Wisconsin game might be tough, too. Wisconsin doesn't look as strong. But that's three real games, two of them on the road, that Ohio State has to play this year. So they're capable I think they've gotten the quarterback situation sorted out. I still think the offensive line is a problem. I expect the defense to be substantially better than last year. I think they've shown that so far. They had the best receiver combo in the country. And the standard is very high. So I, I don't think there's any reason to lower the standard from what it's been. Ryan Day's made the playoff in three of his four seasons at Ohio State. They 
were a missed field goal away, some bad breaks away from beating Georgia last year and probably would have won the national championship. They're a different team than a year ago, but I think they have, you know, just as much opportunity to succeed on the same level, lost a lot on the offensive line, lost the quarterback who was the second pick in the draft and CJ Stroud, but their, their receivers are great. Their defense will be better. So uh, I think it's a really interesting season. And I think the thing that is the context and context matters is that everybody around Ohio state has gotten better. And there was a time in my career covering them in, you know, the mid 2000s, late to 2010s, that kind of thing, where the Big Ten wasn't competitive. And so Ohio State was very good, but nobody could challenge them. So Ohio State's still very good, but now there are teams that can challenge them. So Michigan beating Ohio State the last two years is much more about Michigan rising up than Ohio State falling back. And I always wanted the Big Ten to be better because I don't think it's super interesting to be like, well, they're definitely going to win the conference again. So I think it's good but it also means you lose a little bit more. So I think uh, it's going to be a great college football season. I expect Ohio state to be right in the mix. I expect them to win at Notre Dame on Saturday. I don't think it's a guarantee, but once again, they're not a perfect team, but I think they have the pieces they need to compete at the highest level. And what I think is going to be, and has proven to be so far a pretty wide open college football season. Absolutely is goal is going to be to win. See if the Buckeyes can get back on top of the college football world. So, Doug, before we go. So, so let me ask real quick. How did you get into this, Zach? How did you, you said you've been doing this for five years. How did you find your way to this gig? So the pot, yeah, so I, I've been doing play-by-play for a long time. Uh, going back to my first year in college back in 2014. I do a ton of different games, ton of different sports. Been always using my voice for different things. Went to college initially to I went to a small school in the North Shore, Massachusetts, Endicott College, and got on the radio pretty quickly. I always had these sports opinions when I was young. I've been passionate from a very young age about basketball. And so eventually I get there, I get on the air, and then I do a play-by-play. And so when I graduated, I didn't have a space anymore. I had the radio station. I don't have a space to publish things anymore. So I was wondering what's next. So I kind of went through that whole first year with nothing. Well, obviously, I'm still doing my games. I've been doing some writing as well. Not, not at the same level, but giving my opinions, giving some, some advice on who to pick, who to do what with. And summer comes around, and I built a decent following on my college radio show Twitter. So I started posting on Periscope. I had some opinions. Again, like maybe, what, 20, 30 people are, are seeing it. I like yeah. Periscope, yeah. I miss it. Um, obviously, they still have live, but it's, it's a little different. It's through, like we're doing now on StreamYard, there's a live option. But so I was doing that, and I, it made me miss it again. So pretty much what happened is I sought out – I think if I looked now, I'd probably still find. But my first search showed me that there's this brand-new pod network that needed somebody. And I'm like, you know what? I'll just do this for fun. You know, I got, I got time on my hands. And so I applied. It was through a Google form. Filled it out. I was just going to do basketball or football or whatever. They're like, we have a Cavs podcast we want to start. Okay, sure. So uh, sent that in. I think it was October 22nd, 2019. I was given the reins to across the Cavs Twitter with its two followers and zero tweets. Um, and now we've sent 14,000 posts. Probably been acknowledged by three or 400 people from Cleveland or Ohio in some capacity, professional athlete on a post or an episode or whatever. It's been a lot of fun. I've been a Cavs fan for 15 years. 
I'm in New Jersey, though. There's no Cavs fans here. Oh. So mm. it, it's been the perfect medium. It's been a great outlet. This is my third podcast network. Uh, shout out to Network 216. It's been great. All Ohio folks now started out across the board. They were great people. Uh, it was still growing. Then I was in something called the Basketball Podcast Network, where I was the Cavs pod. We had all 30 NBA teams. You have people covering the NBA, including Pete Pranica of the Grizzlies has a, has a show on that network, Jason Jones at Sacramento, ton of different people in there. So met some cool folks, had a lot of dual teams. Uh, here we are, Network 216, year five, and uh, still some really cool guests, not going to name yet, that will be coming on. I'm very excited, put a lot of time into research and communicating, and sometimes there's some third and fourth parties that have to sign off on the conversations, but very excited for, for what's to come. And this has just been great because I've always been a hoops fan and being able to talk about my favorite team. It's I'm watching the games anyway. There's no extra work yeah. going into this. So it's, it's been great. Awesome, man. That's a great, that's a great story. And like you said, I, it's been nice that uh, this world has expanded this way to give uh, people opportunities that maybe, you know, when I was coming up 25, 30 years ago, we're harder to find. So that's very cool, man. I really appreciate you reaching out, Zach. And again, I'm impressed by the research and I, you know, we're, I'm just giving you a hard time. We're just having, having fun. Um, of course. So I, I hope, I hope you weren't mad at me, but I, I think no, uh, cool, your passion is obvious. My friend, your passion is obvious and you obviously know what you know what you're talking about. So it's been a pleasure to be on with you. Thank you, Doug. So tell everybody where, where can we find Doug Lamarice once oh, this episode is over? I think, that guy, oh, I want to listen to more of that guy who came on and was a jerk about Delhi to Zach. Uh, uh, he was you straight up with me. me. He was honest. He was himself, which is how it should be. No um, it, You can find uh, The Podcast. So if you go on YouTube and put in The Podcast, you might have to put in Ohio State because, like, you know, the is kind of a popular word. Uh, so that's where I am. You can find it up wherever you find podcasts. So it's a YouTube show first podcast second and then the thing that i really left cleveland.com to do is we are building and launching next year a northern college football show where we want to talk about the teams in the north big 10 and beyond notre dame boston college syracuse Pitt, cincinnati colorado Deion sanders has really helped things you know schools like that in the top half of the country because i think uh, people talk about Southern college football in a certain way and the culture of it. And I don't think we talk about Northern football the same way. And I think we should. So that's going to be called Kings of the North. That will launch in its own feed. That that feed is actually up. We're actually kind of soft launching. We have some content in there. So if you want to look for Kings of the North on YouTube, uh, we'll be doing a five-day-a-week college football show starting sometime next year on that feed. All right, folks, stay tuned. Doug Lamarice, podcast OSU, Kings of the North, and a lot more to come. Zach Weiss, we'll see you next time on Across the Caps. <laughs>